Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan, with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over there at Sir Lucian Gaming, and a very special guest, uh, Mr. Nathan, my dungeon master, my home personal dungeon master. We let him out of the block, the, the closet, just so he could uh, come on the show. Um, I, I, other than running games, he only he stays there, so... Uh, yes, we keep uh, him in the class. I'm, I'm trapped in there. Yes. Uh, welcome, Mr. Nathan. Hello. Uh, you might re- recognize Nathan. He's in the chat a whole bunch as Nathan, I believe. Um, but Nathan is uh, a tabletop enthusiast. You can see behind him. He's got all kinds of crazy arts and minis and paintings and things like that. Um, and uh, is a it works for D and D Beyond, which is really cool. Works for fandom. So yes, uh, I do. I work as a UI dev. Uh, on the character sheet. Team. That's awesome. That's so cool. Um, building all of those cool, cool D and D Beyond the applications that we use constantly. Yes. <laughs> Lucian wants to be your apprentice because there's eight million other games out there that don't have a UI dev for character sheet yet, and we need more of those. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. I like digital tool sets for RPGs. Uh, it makes learning games like way. Way easier. Yeah. yeah. It reminds me of like math. video games back in the day with or video games of tabletop RPGs. And you're like, specifically, I'm thinking of Magic the Gathering, where you try to do something and it wouldn't let you. And basically, you can't cheat by accident. Yeah, and, it reminds yeah. you of all the rules. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's like one of the best things. And, you know, why supporting so many rules is important on digital tool sets so that people know like, Oh wait, I actually can't do that right now. Or, Whoa, I have a plus 11. What is that from? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There was, there's a fighter thing that increases your, uh, initiative that we had completely forgotten about. And then I plugged in all of my players stats into D and D beyond. And he's like, why do I have this extra plus two? And I was like, Oh, I don't know. And so you start digging around. Uh, Nathan, how did you get yes. into D&D? Have you been playing your whole life? No, definitely <laughs> not. Uh, I've probably played, let's see, 2021, maybe four years, five years, I think. Um, it was my friend AJ that originally got me watching Critical Role. Okay. Um, and that's kind of how I got into it. Uh, once you see the game played, it kind of makes sense more. Like, I've always been a super nerd. Um, and into a lot of that sort of stuff. Uh, but And I got into board games a lot, uh, maybe seven years ago. So I have a huge collection of board games. Um, but then someone was like, D&D is the ultimate board game. But it seemed like a really high barrier to entry until I started watching Critical Role. And that kind of like, just showing how simple it is to actually play, uh, it was just like, oh, we could do this. So uh, him and I tried to play a game at our house with some random people. It went terribly, honestly. Uh, <laughs> we tried to do Lost Minds of Fandelver because someone had bought me the that box set. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was all right. Uh, but we ended up going to Adventures League. Uh, and that is actually where we met Jordan. Hey! Um, and started playing games with him and people there. And then he was like, hey, we should just play games at our house. Uh, and we're like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, but wait, did you know he was the famous Jordan at that moment? Or did you not know he was the famous Jordan at that moment? Um, I think uh, he was less famous. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> could be. Still, still am not very famous <laughs> at all. But uh. no, uh, 
I think it was like a few weeks into it where he's a pretty modest guy uh, where he was like, oh, yeah, I have a YouTube channel, whatever. Uh, and I went and checked it out. And I was like, oh, cool. Wow. It's like years of this stuff. Uh, so started watching him, following him. Uh, and now he's almost at 100K. Oh, man. So close. Ah. I bet it's happening in the next <laughs> month. It's got to be happening pretty quick. Not, right? not in a month. Well, I don't, you don't know. think so. I need- We'll see. We got to push, guys. Everybody out there. Let's yeah, that spread the good word of Jordan. Um, no, it's funny. And if you listen to the Saturday morning D and D show, you'll see the whole like. Uh, I was playing with my home group and mm-hmm. uh, wonderful people, but like they all have a lot of stuff going on in their lives. We're all actors and stuff, so they were like, "Oh, I can't play tonight because I've got rehearsal or I've got this," and so we were averaging like one or two games a month. And I'm like, I got to play more D&D. Like, if this is going to be the YouTube that I'm doing, I got to do this. So I'm like, I'm going to give Adventure League a try. And that was fun. It was hit or miss, though. But I do remember, like, because uh, a lot of, I don't know, it's just, it's a weird vibe, Adventure League. Like, there's just, there's odd people that go there. But Nathan, you came in with AJ and you guys sat down. And you're like, I'm a drow thief. Uh, my name's Chafe. And like, I don't know, we just kind of clicked and i'm like they seem like they're on the same level as me so uh i think it was after your character died i was like you know we could do this i want to i'll run a game for you and we can drink beer at my house and both of you were like we're in and so but i didn't know you very well it was totally just a blind invitation and now we play constantly like like you guys are probably the people i play with the most i think so imagine that random people you met at a game store yeah. you invited back to your house mm-hmm. <laughs> at some Almost point. Sounds That's like the, a what the power movie. of the game. You know? Yeah. <laughs> that is so cool. <laughs> but it was really fun. And I was like, hey, I've, I've been wanting to run this thing called Hot Springs Island and da da da. And, and you were like, yeah, I guess so. And so, uh, but then I think you looked it up online and you found all the different uh, magic items and you're like okay this looks really really cool and we had a lot of fun that was a great game we did so (laughs) yeah and that's a pretty long campaign too before we knew it it was when we were coming to a close or whatever we were talking about it and we're like wait this has been over a year of us playing this game yeah Yeah. of like exploring this silly little island with all and i we didn't even explore all of it either it just kind of came to a fun conclusion so and i think we had the intention of going back and playing those characters but then You wanted to run well at the time. Maybe we were playing three games a week. I forget because there was before before my son was born. We were just like, oh yeah, we'll play Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. Like who cares? <laughs> one time at Nathan's house, one time at my house. It was fun. Um, so yeah. you you go from being a player, you you kind of get into adventure league because you try to run a game, but you're not sure it runs quite right. So at that point, are you thinking maybe we're not doing it right, or maybe we need to see how other people do it and that's where the Adventure League idea came in? Yeah, I guess uh, the the whole Mercer effect, right? Uh, yeah. Like seeing Matt Mercer run a game and how well he can do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really it just took more experience with different DMs, like watching Jordan run a game and see how he does it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had this DM at Adventure League that was pretty constant named Jason and watching him run the games for us and how different he did it. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes he was gone, so we'd have a different DM run the game. And just seeing all the different styles, you can kind of pick out like, oh, when Jordan did this, we had a super fun session and everyone loved that. Mm -hmm. So maybe I'll pick that out. And at Adventures League, oh, this was a really fun uh, encounter we had. Maybe I should try something like this. Mm -hmm. Uh, And stealing from Matt Mercer as well, right? Mm -hmm. Of Like, ooh, I really liked when he pulled the rug out from under them. 
with the rakshasa and you know and <laughs> do that uh so like learning to steal all that stuff and then just reading more uh rpgs different rpgs and mm-hmm. uh all of that kind of combined i think just helped me kind of want to dm more uh mm-hmm. and then once i started doing it and kind of got my rhythm and found my own style then it's like i i actually prefer dming more than playing now so oh nice i like it yeah because it sounded like the way you made that sound is you were the one chosen to run the game for the friends because they got you the box set. You're right. Cause there's always that person that has to be the one that says, okay, I want to, I want to get this going. So I'll just DM so we can all get this, this whole ball rolling. So I like that idea. And then you go and you learn more, you play more, and then you're picking out different stuff. Did you stay connected with critical role? And are you still pretty connected with critical role right now? Is that was kind of your gateway in? Yeah. Uh, most definitely. Um, Cool. That's probably my favorite D&D stream. Uh, well, mm-hmm. it's definitely my favorite D&D stream. Uh, and I'm like, I think I'm four episodes behind. But other than that, I've seen all campaign one, all campaign two, up up to where I am. Um, so I'm still super into that. And there's, like, although I try not to compare any DMs to Matt Mercer, but mm-hmm. there is no better DM than Matt Mercer. <laughs> in my, in it's my okay opinion. to be a fan. Yeah, it's great to be a fan. Like, it's it's just great to watch him uh, take it away on certain characters and how mm-hmm. he can switch between them just at the drop of a pin. Like, oh, it's <laughs> wonderful. And they, they have so much fun playing together. And mm-hmm. I think that is another aspect, like... Uh, you were talking about like finding your DM style, but I also think like there's a there's a point where you understand your players. You're like they really like to solve mysteries, or they want to uh, uh, just get loot, or some people just want to like kill a bunch of stuff and things like that. And when you find out what they're interested in, then all of a sudden the game seems to be more fun for everybody at the table. Uh, and I think we've, like, I found that pretty quick where I'm like, they like exploring and they like finding things. And so Hot Springs Island, you guys found a lot of stuff and it was interesting. But when we did Ghosts of Saltmarsh, there was like a level where it's like, I don't really know, like, why are we doing this? And, and I was like, right. they, they, need, they just need to go into the jungle and like find things <laughs> like this whole save the world thing is not necessarily for these players sometimes, but... And because that was the TPK. That's... So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Killed them right off. They just need new characters is what they need. <laughs> the first time I remember Jordan mentioning you DMing, it may not have been your first DMing, but I feel like it was you decided to do a Wild Mountain game, right? Or did you do some more DMing before that too? It was uh, the Warforge 7. Yeah, so uh, my 7 oh, Warforge yeah. Eldritch Knight. That was the – that was that, yeah. right there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, that was kind of in my own world. Okay, um, and I, I super wanted to homebrew my own thing, and at the end, it was generic fantasy world one, like right. that's all it was, right? <laughs> and like the towns were mine, the map was mine, but everything is just like normal. Um, so that uh, it was fun, and we had a blast with all those characters, uh, and uh, but it wasn't satisfying i guess creating that world uh very much you still wanted more at that point yeah yeah uh so i'm running a game now and uh jordan is actually not playing in this game um, but <gasps> oh, yeah. <I> wasn't <laughs> sadly invited. enough sure. uh, but in a new world i created and it is like a, a feywild but um 
plane hopping and everything uh, hasn't occurred for 12,000 years. Uh, and it's kind of legend now that there are other worlds. Um, so any spell or anything that interacts with any other plane is not allowed. Um, I restricted races like humans don't exist here. Uh, dwarves mm -hmm. don't exist here. Uh, did all that uh, to kind of make it more unique feel. Um, yeah. Uh, but the players just found a uh, human. Uh, and so that was fun. Like, oh, it's shorter than an elf. It's a little <laughs> stockier. It looks really gross. It has rounded ears. Uh, and what is all that fruit? Uh, that that was kind of a fun like, thing. Yeah. It's so savage. Did it just kill its partner? When did it do? <laughs> uh, that's cool. fun, yeah. though. Like, and I think that's how a lot of uh, campaign settings are going in the future. Like, there's in the Forgotten Realms, and Eberron is written this way, too, that like everything within D&D is allowed in those campaign settings. But for me, and, and obviously for you too, like it's more fun to kind of restrict things. And with Ravnica coming out, I think that's exactly what they're doing. Like I'm reading a lot of the old AD&D Ravnica and they specifically are like, these abilities Ravenloft. don't work the same way. Uh, or not Ravnica, Ravenloft, sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like in Ravenloft, they're like, these abilities don't work the same way because we're going for a very different feel for this whole thing. And so when you were like, yeah, we're not going to have any like gates or planner spells, the ethereal planes kind of like, uh, and then, yeah, you were saying like, if you want to play Jordan, you can be a, a grung. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want to be a frog person so bad, but <laughs> has not worked out. I think that was knee deep in, uh, in rod of seven parts. And so now that that's done, but convincing that I can run away two or three nights a week to play D and D is, is, is difficult. So, <laughs> Oh yeah. And kids and everything. They, uh, they, they're more important anyway. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> you just gotta get them old enough so they can play in your games and you're all set. I'm yeah. And that. I've actually started running a few games for my two kids. Uh, I've got a nine and a seven year old. So, uh, yeah. and I've been playing like wardlings, uh, like five E supplements that are kind of kiddish. Um, <laughs> There's a fun game called No Thank You Evil that you might check out that uh, is is like RPGs for kids. And it's just like, oh, you got to nice. go stop. By Monty Cook. And Monty Cook really did it, yeah. Company, yeah. Yep. Super Very fun. Cool. Um, you mentioned other RPGs. So now that you got the Critical Role D&D, like, bite. So you haven't done, you around. didn't do 4E, you didn't do the original. You're a 5E, D&D is what you know and what you've done. Have you thought about delving into... Any of the history of the other D and Ds, or have you gotten a chance to play in any of the other versions? Uh, so we play twice a week right now with our group. Uh, Jordan's once a week with us, uh, and we've tried to push it more. Like Jordan said, we were doing three times a week because yeah. there's just so much we want to play. <laughs> we want, um, to play. and so we've been having these like voting sessions recently on our Saturday games of other RPGs and we're trying to do like not D and D on Saturdays. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm trying to do not D and D. Yeah, I was about to Saturdays. say, <laughs> I think they want to play D and D, but that's fine. <laughs> Cause I also play for work. Um, like I was just, that was another question I had. Darn it. Yeah. We got to it. <laughs> uh, our team, uh, every team is encouraged to dog food, the product to yourself. So we actually have time during work where we get to play a game. Oh, uh, so I actually play for work too. So I want to play other RPGs. So yeah, we've been, uh, we played Vason, uh, which I ran um, and that was super fun. I've ran Overlight RPG um, oh, yeah. and that was, that was interesting. One. Pretty fun. Um, Star Wars, all those ones, uh, Force and Destiny, Age of Rebellion, all those books. 
Uh, we kind of smashed them together into the Star Wars one. Uh, and then we're going to do Numenera, I think, is what we decided on. Jordan might run yeah. Numenera for it. Yeah, so we we all voted, and apparently I was the tie vote. And I haven't <laughs> ran a game since Rod of Seven Parts. And I was like, oh, and I, I want to run Numenera. Like, I really like that world. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I texted you, though, because I was like, are they going to be upset if I choose Numenera? Because like, it seemed like a lot of people wanted to play 5e. Because one of the games is I was like, I would be willing to run a Eberron game because I think that would be fun, too. And would would shift up 5th edition D&D enough for me that I'm like, no, we get to play in this like new, interesting world that has the same physics, but kind of different. Yeah, and then you you wanted to run a, a like a dragon. Uh, what is it? It's 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 almost like a Greek setting, but it's not. Yeah. Odyssey of the Dragon Lords. Yeah. Which was a third-party Kickstarter thing that yeah, came out, but it has really cool stuff in it. L- really cool art. It's it's an amazing book. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so uh, since I was the tie-breaking vote, I went with Numenera. So I bought an adventure. Um, I'm reading through it. I'm brushing up on the rules and remembering how elegant the Numenera system is and how much I really enjoy it, where like combat and social encounters just kind of... like they don't feel the same because you definitely have like, I hit this guy, but like it, it's just fluid. Like it just kind of, there's no like initiative go. Like it just kind of things just happen. And I like that a lot. So, so I'm hoping the group likes it. We're going to have a probably, I don't know, four sessions or so. And then if we finish the first uh, of the three acts that this adventure is, and they don't like it, then we'll switch something out. But but I think you'll really like it. There's a lot of times where I'm just like, I know Nathan will enjoy this. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty excited to play it, honestly. I had flipped through it, and I had kind of wanted to play that uh, in the past. Um, so when that like came up as one of the tie votes, yeah, because we took all the physical books we had of these games and laid them all out on a counter, and everyone had two scraps of paper, I think, and you could place it on a book, and we ended up with a three-way tie between... Mm-hmm. Eberron, Numenera, and I wanted to run like a black company type game. Uh, and so you're speaking my words through. now. You're speaking my words, <laughs> Mr. Campbell. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Woo, black, black Company is awesome. If you haven't read that series, go and get that right now. That is the best fantasy series ever written. Hands uh, I've only read the first one. Uh, and I would uh, asterisk that. Like, it is a great book. Oh, it's so the writing style is a little strange. And yeah. It takes a little hard to get used to, uh, but it is good. Yeah. Well, go go read Silver Spike, too, if you haven't read it, because if you only read the first one, you haven't even gotten to Toad Killer Dog yet. And oh my God, you're talking about the good stuff. That's the uh, fantasy series that I felt like drove me to play more DD because I wanted my DD games to be like Black Company and working for the lady and being a mercenary company and. That whole thing was just so awesome. Good stuff. I like Nathan better and better every time he talks about stuff now. The, yeah, and Colville pulls a lot of inspiration from Black Company stuff, yeah. too. If you ever read Colville's books, they're really good, I have. too. And they're very Black Company-ish, very same style. It's very cool. They're excellent, cool. but I'm afraid the third one, Fighter, is just never going to come now. But I know. All this D&D so stuff. <laughs> He's got so many projects now. It's crazy. So you get to play for work, which I think was the cool thing that you got to say in a cool campaign there. Fifth edition. Do you guys rotate GMs there? Do you have do. one that just loves to do it and, and is running a full campaign? Are you running the books themselves, or are you still doing homebrew worlds? Um. So... 
I have worked there since October. Uh, so that's when I started. And they, yeah. our team kind of, uh, a lot of people got hired on our team at that time. Mm -hmm. uh, so we ran a game uh, with our PM being the dungeon master. Uh, and he like got us started. And so we're kind of like pirates with a fort uh, and going on these adventures for treasure. Uh, so he started by rolling, running part of Tomb of Annihilation, um, mm -hmm. just a segment of that. Uh, and then we rotated uh, to someone else. And he ran something that was just like super meta. Like we fell into a map and it was like a D&D &D map and all these boulders, geometric boulders were falling on us. And we were like a gray tone miniature. Oh, that's but, funny. And we were at a con uh, <laughs> on the table with people playing D&D. &D. Uh, and we like eventually grew to the size of them. And then like we had this huge combat at the end with Dr. Horrible from Dr. Horrible's sing-along, uh, whatever, with Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah. Uh, so he was like the main bad guy and we fought Batman, uh, Lego Joker. And it was like, uh, it was a wild adventure. Uh, but now we're all back in our pirate fort and someone else is uh, taking the DM torch now. Um, but that, that was an attempt to try to use our tool set for mm -hmm. a different style of play uh, to see how well it worked. Um, and with homebrew feats, you can do quite amazing things on the character sheet. Yeah, that's very cool. Um... God, there's like the millions of questions we promise not to ask you about your job because, you know, everybody wants all the cool in, inside information stuff. But I think yeah, it's I like cool that, job. you know, at a, yeah, at, at a job that you have, um, they let, they want you to play. They let you play. It's part of just being into it. But it, I, I assume it also what they what you get is just team building camaraderie. You hang out with them more than you would if you were just in your cubicles you know, all doing your code monkey stuff and that, you know, I'm a yeah. programmer, work with programmers all the time too. So I get that, but I think it's cool that, I mean, could you imagine that Jordan, your whole, your whole team there at work gets together and lunch and plays, you know, 45 minutes to an hour of D and D every day and, I and then jumps it. back to working, <laughs> which you could do at my yeah. previous employment. Yeah, uh, actually we did that. Like I started uh, D and D at lunch times uh, one day a week. And mm -hmm. we all we all played there, so it wasn't much of a change actually for me to come over here. Uh, this is just not part of my lunch now. It's just a normal yeah. <laughs> meeting that is scheduled once a week that we it's D and D time. That's cool. Uh, so, so fandom is is branching out. Fandom owns D and D Beyond, and yes. uh, they want to get other RPG systems um, to be online, yes. much like D and D. So you are playing D&D games, but uh, I think they, they bought Cortex or they're developing stuff. Yes. Yeah. So uh, are, are you playing any of those as well or? Uh, not currently. Okay. Um, but I, our team is newly fresh into the, our whole party uh, in D&D space. Yeah. Uh, and we, there are a few of us on the team that are huge Dragon Prince uh fans from the creator of Avatar The Last Airbender, and mm -hmm. I'm a huge fan of that too. Uh, and Cortex uh, is a system to build other RPGs on top of. And so one of the properties that uh, fandom is doing this for is uh, Dragon Prince with Tales of Zadia. Mm -hmm. um, and so when that comes out, I think we're going, I think we'll switch over uh, and play <laughs> that. Because uh, 
yeah, it, I mean, I like that world and the whole idea of all the different types of magic that you can do. And humans aren't magical, but they have this dark magic. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Great, great world building. Um, those guys really know how to build a world. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool with um, they. So I'm, I'm trying to remember D&D Beyond did a video where they showed off the Cortex system, I believe, um, with yes. uh, Dragon Prince. So um, I'm excited for that. Is that that's not going to be like a. Well, maybe you can't answer this, but it's not going to be like a subsystem of D&D Beyond. You'll probably go to like dragonprince.com or something, and then they have yeah, their whole so thing the whole thing Yeah, so the preview site is already out Oh, now. okay. Uh, Talesofzadia.com is uh, the website. Um, and it has the basic rules out there right now and uh, mm-hmm. the playtest. Um, so everyone could go hop on there and playtest uh, Tales of Zadia to their heart's desire. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the whole book isn't out yet, but... Um, yeah, and they're going to do digital tool sets. Like, it'll be, they'll try to make it uh, like D&D Beyond. Yeah, I mean, user-friendly uh, and, and just kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, and where you can search compendiums, search through the rules. Uh, so, yeah, it, it'll be, uh, and Cortex itself, like, you can take Cortex, Jordan, with your custom D6 that, stuff that you want to do. Like, mm-hmm. you could build your RPG on top of that system. Is um, it open then? Or is it licensable uh, I, or kind of a thing? I don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't think it is because we, we bought it. Oh yeah. Yeah. That um, makes sense. Uh, but uh, you could have your homebrew, your homebrew game. Yeah. Right. Uh, so yeah. Um, it's another, I, it's another path to use that. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, to tell a story. For, so it's like, I want to, I want to do a Lord of the Rings. Um, I could try and, and shove Lord of the Rings into D&D 5e, but like Cortex is built for more of like, this is how you have those properties and kind of overlaying them in there. Is that right? right. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, and there's different uh, modules and pieces of Cortex that you can pull uh, and be able to use if you want, or it's like, oh, we don't need this section of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a Cortex Prime core rule book that you can buy. Um, and that's like the base rules uh, to pull from. And then if you start reading through the Tales of Zadia rules, uh, it's interesting to see like, oh, they're pulling this system uh, to use for their magic. Oh, okay. they're pulling, pulling this to use for that. Uh, and you can kind of see it actually used uh, and how you can, and you could pretty much wing it. I mean, and not oh, actually have written rules out, right? And just use that Cortex Prime RPG handbook. Yeah, it yeah. sounds a lot like Cypher to me. Because Cypher yeah, in is a, way. a modular game tool set that lets you play any genre you want. You want to play sci-fi fantasy, dark fantasy. You want to play modern-day gumshoe. You want to play James Bond, you know, whatever you want Super to do. Superheroes, yeah. You just, you're taking the different pieces that allow you to play that. But it's still Cypher. It's still players are rolling a D20. The stats are similar but might change depending on the type of system you're playing and um, sounds very. I like these ideas. I know me and Jordan have talked about this quite a bit offline, where we've been playing all the regular games so much, we're starting to be more drawn to the systems that allow you to play anything. The ones that are really built from the ground up to say, I don't care what you, what show on Netflix you love, this system will let you play that. Run with it, you know. Just go go out there and do a cyberpunk or uh, you know whatever you want to do. Well, it's back and forth because I I. 
it's been a, I don't remember the exact date, but we talked about that where, like, what do you prefer? Like, the the really cool core set, and, and just, like, building a fantasy world for your Dungeons & Dragons game, it's kind of fun to build up this game to fit your fantasy world that you're building, or your sci-fi world, or whatever else. But mm-hmm. then there are those games where it's so fun that the game is intrinsically tied to that setting, in a way. And I, right. and I... And it's weird, I guess, the only thing I really can think of right now is Numenera, but that's that's a lie, because Cypher's used for a whole bunch of other things. Mm-hmm. But, but like, uh, Kids yeah. on Bikes is kids very, on bikes, yeah. I think, yeah, 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 that way, the way they, you're saying it. They did a good job of just doing that, but then uh, I had the epiphany a couple uh, weeks ago when we were playing Vason that I didn't realize that Vason was the exact same system as Tales from the Loop. And so I was, like, reading Tales from the Loop to get some ideas for my D6 game that I'm kind of reading. And I was like, oh, this is a lot like Vaisin. And then Nathan was like, yeah, it's, it's the same Came thing. the other way. Vaisin's <laughs> oh. like, <laughs> But that's a fun – that's, a, that's what, I guess, a great system because – well, yeah, the, uh, I forget the system's name. Somebody in chat will tell me. Well, the company but, is Free League or Free, yeah. free League. In, but in there. the Free League system is used for Forbidden Lands and Vason and, and Tales from the Loop. From and the Loop. Uh, it's the exact same dice rolls, but you just augment, like, rather mm-hmm. than having a magical staff that wields fire, I have a detective skill that helps right. me find things. And that is really creative, I guess, and hard to do, in my opinion, as I'm trying to, like, write and do, and do a bunch of homebrew stuff where you're like, how do you how do you do a catch-all for that but still make it fun? Um, and it reminds me of the Cinematic Universe game. I can't remember the actual name of it, but uh, I had a couple friends who ran, like, a really long Buffy the Vampire Slayer game in that and a bunch of other stuff, and they love it. And they're like, you can do anything with it, and it's kind of fun that you can do that. Mm-hmm. So you want to play... Evil Dead or Supernatural or whatever, you know? So I do. Be a lot <laughs> of fun. Monster of the Week. <laughs> there you go. So usually you can tell, you can you can get a little insight about a DM by the type of homebrew rule they use in their 5e game. So in when you were running your 5e game, did you have any homebrew rules or did you play it straight, straight by the book? Other than restrictions on things, I don't think we've... No adjustment to the rules at all. Interesting. Like, we've done some homebrew classes and magic items and monsters. Like, I like messing with that stuff, so I've created a lot of homebrew monsters. Nothing like to initiative or a way a skill works because You let us have uh, inspiration. We can award each other inspiration. Okay. Yes, um, there's what I like yeah. to do one table inspiration. Uh, so, because I am forgetful about it, even if I put, I have tokens even, and I put them right in front of me, and I still forget to like <laughs> hand out inspiration. Uh, so now my players, yeah, have just gotten used to it, and they're like, yes, inspiration, yeah. you get, you get inspiration. And I like to let people use inspiration for all sorts of things, so they can like use it to try to cancel advantage or use it for disadvantage or. Things, things like that, share your inspiration uh, instead of just the advantage stuff. What about character um, generation? Are you a 46 DM? Are you, what's the style they're allowed to create their stats? Um, we have done rolling before, and 46 mm-hmm. dropped the lowest is what we did there. Um, and that's how we did our Wild Mountain game. Yes, that's how we got. Uh, that's how AJ got a ridiculous yes. monk with like he's got stat like two twenties and an eighteen or something by the yeah, end. We stopped. Superhero. 
that. He started with a 20 con, yeah. I believe. He uh, was just taking feats because he's like, I don't need any more. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I usually like to do either point by or uh, standard point array, by. just simply because it keeps everyone within a band. Uh, mm-hmm. Because when we rolled, AJ got crazy stats. Uh, someone else got uh, really mediocre stats. Yeah. Uh, and so it was just... And to their credit, they still played that character. And we all had a lot of fun. But it is it is kind of disheartening when you're like, okay, I want to hit. I miss. And then uh, this monk comes in and just like, boom, boom, boom. Like three hits, you're dead, you know. So... Stunning strikes, stunning yeah. strikes. <laughs> All that monk the DM's stuff. worst nightmare. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you have to learn to have uh, monsters with huge con saves. Uh, mm-hmm. Playing with monsters. When um, I'm asking tons of questions because these are all dungeon master questions, and That's you're why we a have dungeon guests. master. <laughs> yes. Um, how often were you fudging rolls behind, behind. your screen? To make the combat last a little longer and be more a little bit more fun, or were you a straight dice the way they are kind of dungeon master? I try to be straight dice, um, but I also want the combat to be enjoyable. Are you adjusting um, hit points in the background or something every now and then to make it last one more round? Or right, uh, yeah. hit points not as much. <laughs> I usually stay the same with that, but all all. Of like if I roll all threes or all ones on D eights for the damage or whatever, mm-hmm. I'll bump the number up a little bit, you know, to get some more drama in there, especially if the characters are just slaughtering right now, then, right. you know, makes Needs it a little something. bit more fun. Yeah. Right. Or all like if the players are struggling and it's like the last shot <laughs> and they hit, but they're like two damage off, then it'll be like, Oh, you killed it. And <laughs> instead, you know, uh, to try to try to keep everything uh, entertain entertaining because yeah with long combats it can get like people just check out there, there's a certain point where you just look around the table and everyone's checked out and it's like you get to someone's turn they're just like oh yeah uh, okay I do this swing my sword yeah yeah <laughs> exactly the same thing you have done every single round right what, what's your opinion on the CR system do you use it the way it is as written? Or are you making adjustments like I have to make adjustments because my players are all power gamers and there's no way the CR level works in any of the games I run. <laughs> I don't think I have ever run an encounter that isn't considered deadly. Except yeah. for very one-off, uh, important to the story, like you guys have to find this weak little creature because mm-hmm. of this type idea. Um simply because I think the CR system does not work well. And mm-hmm. I have strategic players that have played D and D or are very strategical, strategical uh, people <laughs> uh, that really like uh, just board games and uh, are competitive. Uh, and, and synergize uh, a lot too. Yes, Cause yes. there would be a lot of like, Hey, if you could stun this, then this spell will get an automatic, like it'll automatically hit, you know, because he'll fail dexterity saving throws. And so, uh, yeah, there was a lot of like, let's manipulate the battlefield a little bit. And when you only have like one or two creatures, and I, I remember when we were playing uh, your your previous game where I was the, uh, the Warforged, um, we were slaughtering so many things. And then I said one day, I was like, you know, there's like a, or we were talking about the idea of, um, action economy and just like 
the players physically have more actions, especially when you have uh, extra attack at level five and stuff than the monsters do. And so if you start adding some more monsters and then the next week we had this crazy combat in the underdark and you had like Duragar everywhere. There were like flying things. And I'm like, okay, Nathan, like I took a vice a little, little strong there, bud. <laughs> I got your point. Right? But it was, so it was I, like, and it was very different, you know? And so when, as a dungeon master, you start understanding that you're like, oh, okay. And so kind of play I mean, around One of the it. biggest things is feedback, right? Yeah. And there has been nothing better than the Saturday morning D&D show because Jordan <laughs> comes and talks about his games online, right? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm sure he knows that I'm sitting in chat or whatever watching, <laughs> but it's like, I'm not there to stress him out about what he's saying about the game. Uh, so it's interesting hearing his perspective. Uh, and then AJ will come over uh, later in the day for our game or whatever. And he'll be like, oh, yeah, Jordan was totally right about this. Or, oh, no, I, I didn't see it that way. Like, mm-hmm. the game went this way. And then getting that other feedback and that other viewpoint, like, you, that's how you can really start to dial in, like, oh, they hate when this happens. They like all of them just hate this or, mm-hmm. Oh, some of them like this. Uh, so I can throw one, a puzzle in or whatever, but not all of them like puzzles. So mm-hmm. I need to make it easier mm-hmm. uh, or, or uh, quick to solve. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it feedback is the best thing as a DM and being able to take the feedback, even if it's like harsh, like, Oh, I hated that adventure. That was, that was yeah. super lame. Yeah. Yeah, the what idea monster not- was that? It was awful. It was a custom one I made from scratch. I've been drawing it. <laughs> yeah. like, oh. We've done it for weeks. Uh, yeah. um, I think that's um, one of the things that we've always tried to do with the show, me and Jordan, is the idea of pulling away the curtain of you can be a dungeon master, you can be a player. But that idea of also encouraging that everybody at the table is a player, even the dungeon master. It's not my game, it's our game, kind of that idea of we all can talk. If we don't like a rule, let's talk about it and let's just get rid of this rule that everybody hates and we can move on and we can have fun. You know, We want to have fun when we get together and, and enjoy that time that we're taking away from everything else to come and play this cool fantasy, whatever we're, that we're doing. So I think that was – I always like it too. Danimal, my dungeon master who is on constantly with us all the time – from Australia makes him cool. <laughs> he does the same thing. He take I get messages from him all the time. He's like, "Oh, is that what you thought about? You know, the game or just checking in because it seemed like this was the way you talked about it on the show. I was wondering about this thing, and I like the idea that he's getting really good feedback from at least a player who's paying attention to other things besides just the game to say our t- our group liked this. We lost concentration here, or this didn't. You know that that seemed to go really weird or strange and. Um, it's been interesting and I, I enjoy the dynamic of talking about how a game went or what we thought of how the game went or things about the game too, not just, um, you know, what our character is going to do in their next level or, you know, whatever it might be. So I think that's cool. And I'm glad that that's working out for you guys and, and it works. Your games have always been entertaining from my side to listen to what Jordan talks about in the games too. So, or his hot Springs Island game too was fascinating to me. In some ways, I wish we'd had longer on our show to talk more about the things that were happening, how the, you know, the salamander attack and the way that you guys were handling things. And there was just a lot of really cool stuff there. But, you know, the show's the show. So <laughs> <laughs> we got our news. We got our, you know, we got to do all our stuff there. So um, I'm curious. So this was brought up uh, last night. I was talking to some people and we were talking about, like, as a DM, you have an idea of, like, 
just kind of either direction of the story or direction of how like an encounter will go or something like that. But then your players like flip it all around and then, and you're just like, I don't know what's going on. And specifically I'm remembering our wild mount game that you were running where you were like, Hey, there's lights over here. And then we all decided to use my teleport spell to go back to a major city and to do all this other stuff. And you go with it because you were like a fine DM. You're like, if that's the decision you want to make, uh, but was that a oh, hard goodness. lesson to learn? Not necessarily that thing, but just as a DM in general, where you're like, I, this is the fun. Like, why aren't you going to the fun rather than doing all this other stuff? Do you, do you find that that happens a lot or how do you deal with it? Yeah. So Sly Flourish, uh, lazy DM, uh, I'd like to read a lot of his stuff. Um, when you have your secrets or your scenes, uh, you don't necessarily need to say where they are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you can, as a DM, you are God, right? So you can control <laughs> uh, what is going to occur where. And I think learning that and how to do that smoothly without the players actually knowing, um, that is one of the best skills you can have as a dm uh i'm not superb at it and i when you guys do things like that it forces me to have to do that stuff um but yeah you guys teleported back to the dash and uh went and talked to the gentleman but there was other information you guys like needed first and you guys ended up going to pumat i think and he told you that instead um so like placing things in different areas for people uh, and being able to make it seem like it was meant to be there all along. Uh, like that is, that is the skill that you have to utilize in that situation. Um, Cause yeah, there was another session too, where you guys totally like turned right instead of left and <laughs> it was nothing I had planned whatsoever. And it was like, I just had to roll with it and kind of wing it. And some of those situations you do have to kind of wing it. But the biggest thing is like your players don't know what's over there. Like they don't have that in their head. They don't know who's there, who they're allied with or whatever. So it's like just coming up with anything that seems relatively possible. I mean, most players just go for it and like, Oh, nice. Yeah. He probably had this here all along. (laughs) (laughs) Like they're, they're never. Yeah. I think that's a good idea. Or, I I like what you said, because I'm thinking of from a player perspective, I've never been like, well, I don't know what's to the left of this dungeon, but they decide to go left. And, you know, you could put something obvious like, oh, the dungeon keeps going or, oh, there's a spider there or something like that. Or you could be like, yeah, it turns left and all of a sudden, like, there's grass and moss and it it leads to a forest. And you're like, what? Your players are never going to be like, man the architect of this place is terrible. Like, did you do this? This doesn't make any sense. They're never going to be angry at you. They're going to be really confused and like intrigued. Like, why does this just turn into a Narnia? Like that doesn't, where are we, you know? And they start trying to figure it out. Um, And that's, that's part of the fun for me of Dungeons and Dragons, I think, or just RPGs in general is building the world with your players, but like, they don't know that they are doing that. You know, you can you can obviously ask them, like, what do you see around the corner? Uh, And I've done that in games, too. And that's kind of fun for them to be like, oh, I see this. But at the same time, just that I I'm like, I don't know. And they're like, oh, okay, well, like, are there birds? Yeah, there are birds. 
They're owls because yeah, right, it's right dark. That's room. right. Do you want to go talk to a bird? <gasps> they talk? Sure. You're like, you know, and you just kind of say yes and keep going. And then by the end, you've created this whole, like, weird Feywild dungeon thing. And it's like, oh, that's fun. So, Yeah, I know you're an actor, so you've probably done a lot of improv stuff. Uh, but I had uh, these classes in middle school. Um, and one of the things we did heavily in one of the classes was an improv improv stuff uh in games uh that we would do and it's just uh it's a great mind uh mind teaser uh by working working through something like that and that's really what D is right and having that yes and mentality um and and whatever your players say like hopping on the coattails of that and is like oh is this forest and moss area all spooky and there's fog? And you're like, yes, there is fog <laughs> everywhere. And like even their explanations for things, like when they're talking to other players and they're like, you know what? I bet a ghost is haunting this place. Mm-hmm. We should find out like who that ghost is. And like listening to them say that at the table, then you're like, yes, yeah. the ghost is haunting that this like place. A- or it was it old out. man Jenkins the whole time and he would have gotten well, away with it. it. <laughs> Right. If you make your players think also that it was their idea, even if it was their idea, uh, then they just think they're that much smarter, too. And <laughs> and that's the real thing of being a DM. Like, you're not against your players. You're all playing together, and they want to feel powerful. They want to feel smart. They want to feel like they are the heroes of this story. So you really want to latch on to that and give that to them. And that's crush what- them. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that's what makes everyone have fun, right? Is swinging some crazy sword and doing 36 explosive fire damage because the sword's crazy magical. Like, that's what people want. Things we don't get to do in our normal life. Exactly. (laughs) Flaming swords. That should bring us to the golden question that every DM should have to answer at some point when they're in an interview. How do you prep for your games? Because as a dungeon master, it's the one thing you do different than the players is prepping sessions that they never are really involved in. So how, how's, what is Nathan's DM prep look like for, are you doing stuff a few days in advance? Are you doing things an hour? Are you trying to prep 30 minutes before the whole session starts? How, how does Nathan do it? It depends on my week, honestly, of <laughs> how much free time I've had. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the biggest things that inspires me is uh, miniatures. And that's why I like to paint minis and everything. Uh, and I like to have big uh, set pieces out on the table. Uh, that sort of stuff is fun for me. Um, so just like looking through what minis I have, uh, going and buying new minis, um, or now uh, printing my minis, mm-hmm. um, and looking through files and stuff, that'll be like, oh, I wonder how I could use this. Uh, but how would they be involved with the plot that's going on right now? And trying to tie those knots together uh, that's kind of how I start to get ideas uh, and get inspired for sessions. Um, and then I'll usually sit down for about an hour, uh, hour and a half to kind of, uh, okay, well, here's a good scene. Here's a good scene. These are the pieces of information they need to advance the plot forward. So I need to shove those in somewhere. Here's the stats of the creature. Here's the maps. I've drawn lots right. of maps. and Yeah, yeah uh, I have um, some dungeon tile stuff now so now i now i mainly try to build uh build maps (laughs) and uh yeah i like to keep those out hidden and then encounter and pull those out and stuff and it's like oh then the players are like oh now i understand what you were explaining i can actually see it Mm -hmm. 
That's uh, the Mercer effect right there. That, yeah. That's a very Mercer thing. Let's bring out the diorama. Yeah. Which right. is funny because yeah. all of season one, of <laughs> campaign one of Critical Role, I only ever listened to the podcast. Yeah. I, I never watched the YouTube videos at all. Um, and then I started watching some of the YouTube and like seeing the crazy maps that Matt did and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah. That's, that's fun. That's very cool. So actually, that brings me to a, a question. You're... You're coding an online D and D tool. You're, uh, or you're, you know, you're working for D and D Beyond. You are playing online with those people, um, but do you do you prefer because you have all of these minis, you have all of these dungeon tiles and things like that? Do you prefer the table then? Is that? I prefer in person, mm-hmm. um, and it's for many reasons. Uh, I've I like the miniatures and that 3D effect that you can get. It really like the whole immersion thing, uh, it really gets people into it, I feel. Um, but I also, like, there are just some times online, and it happens in Zoom meetings everywhere, where it's like, oh, 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 nope, you're talking, oh, yeah. no, I'm talking. <laughs> uh, and it's really hard to have natural conversations that way. And especially with a bunch of friends, uh, and this happens to our group, even at the table, who haven't seen each other like in a week or so. And it's like, Oh, this happened in my life. This happened in my life. You know, I got a new job or whatever. Yeah. I bought a and, house. <laughs> yeah. And there's just like side conversations that tend to happen at the table. And I feel like they're less disruptive at the table versus online where uh, someone will bring something up and then like the whole group has to stop so that, you know, you talk, talk about that thing or whatever. Um, but yeah, that that's just the difficulty of doing video calls, though, honestly. Yeah, yeah. No, I, and yeah, I guess when we when we first started, Lucian was very much a online and... Still is. Still are, yeah. I and, still love it. And I, I don't mind online at all, but uh, there's, there's just that tactile feeling of, like, picking up your mini and being like, oh, look at his little sword, he's going to go right there. Like, can I look a little closer at that monster? Mm-hmm. Um. And it's weird because I I feel like I should be such an advocate for theater of the mind because it's like, oh, yeah, let me describe, let me paint a picture with my words. But really, I just want to be like, look at my cool monster and like hold up some like mini that I have because I don't know, that's just like fun for me. And I like I like props at the table and I like uh, physical maps and things like you find a clue and you can kind of just drop it down like those are really fun. And I don't feel like I get that as well. Uh, but you're right about the, the Zoom meeting things because running uh, Rod of Seven Parts for a little under a year, like 10 or 11 months, that was um, similar where it's like, oh, did you – Okay, I'll, I'll, sorry, I'll be quiet, you know, and yeah. <laughs> See, our group – what's interesting about our, our – uh, the online group that I play with quite a bit is we're in Discord for voice. We're playing on a tabletop that has um, vision set up so that you can only see – what your character can see as you move through rooms and things, and you're moving a miniature, you're rolling the dice, and we're playing the game, all side conversations happening in the Discord chat. So while we're playing, we're furiously typing bullshit to each other about what show we watched (laughs) or 
what we did, but the game is still going on and we're listening to the dungeon master and the dungeon master and whoever's up and what turn is going on. But then the rest of us are making potato head jokes or, you know, we're referencing music or we're throwing up uh, memes in the background, but that's all happening on discord away from what you see on the streams and not the interruption of the thing. And what's gotten me really at this point is dynamic lighting of moving your stuff around and you see how torchlight affects, you know, where you are in a dungeon as a dungeon delve and you're moving around and you can throw artwork up on the screen. You can do that. I just love it so much. And you play more, which has to give it a huge plus over the table, which I think is fun, but seems to be a one a month, one every two weeks is when you normally can get a group together. Some of you are more lucky if you get everybody together a week. week. Well, I was about to say, that's you just got to go more. to Adventure League and yeah, meet some cool people, and then you'll yeah. be playing three or four times a week. <laughs> then you could, yeah. Well, my game store does one D&D night, though, because the rest is Magic the Gathering. Well, no, I'm saying them. find people, and then they play. That's <laughs> yeah. what we did, basically. Yeah. Like, And we were. We were playing so many games. It's like Nathan was yeah. running a game, and I was running one, and then he was running another game. And so, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's also a, like a downside, though, right? Is because... We all love RPGs. Everyone in the group is super passionate about RPGs. My wife plays with us. She likes board games. Like she likes RPGs and she plays with us. But she likes to play board games. Mm-hmm. So like those board game nights have gone to very very minimum. That's true. Uh, <laughs> we we play a lot with our kids, but there's a lot of complicated ones that they aren't old enough to play yet. And mm-hmm. so our and so that's been a frustration of hers. And now that we've had breaks between RPGs, we've been playing board game nights uh, to play some of that. So it's like you can find super passionate people about D and D and RPGs, but it's probably all you're going to be doing if you find, if you find those people instead of playing you know Magic or whatever on on the other weeks when you get to play that. Uh, but yeah, it's all learning your group and the group dynamics, right, of how you guys all best play together, what everyone does to have the most fun. So. Yeah. Or your buddy that moves across country can still play. Right. Your friends exactly. from college, you can get together. Your yep. family that doesn't live in the same state. That's what I just – and I do like a ta- – What the thing I miss is the dice roll. I love a dice roll, the actual grab the dice and roll. That's, you know, that you just can't beat. Or just having beer and pizza sitting there. You know, because normally when I play online, I'm just in my room and I could have beer and pizza, but I don't do that. But if I know we're going to like Gen Con and we're going to play at a table, we're doing it with food and snacks and people are having fun and there's a lot going on. Um, so I love both, I guess, but it's fun that we get to do both and it's great that one is available or the other. I'm ready now to play on the table just because of COVID <laughs> because now it's like, let's get outside people. Let's go do something. <laughs> well, and that through my old work game uh, online, right? Because yeah. of that, we had to switch to roll 20 because we all went to remote work and, uh, and we did the lighting, all the fancy lighting and stuff doing dungeon mm-hmm. of the mad mage. Uh, I was yes. I'm in that right now. Oh, nice. Yes. Level uh, six. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you uh, ended up further than them uh, before I left. We're going to make it the whole way. We're going to get every single level. I don't know what level we're going to get to. It's been great. It's fun to play because we got all the way through Tomb of Annihilation, which I think now is my favorite module ever because we made it through and our dungeon master was able to keep the group together and play the whole thing. And it was cool to go start to finish on a module. It was great. We had great characters. We ended up at 12th level or something and we were done. 
But now I'm excited to see, because this will be the first character I've ever taken to level 20. I'm hoping. Have you taken a character to level 20 yet? No, uh, yeah. it's the 11, and 12, <laughs> 11, 12, 13 months. Yeah, Honestly, as far as I get. Honestly, every single campaign, that's where, that's where the, they end. Like, and for my campaigns specifically, I try to end them in what feels like a plot climactic ending. And from Jordan playing with him, like that's how we ended Hot Springs Island is like, it sounds like you guys are enemies with this guy and it's going to be a big battle and be over. Right. And you don't really want to continue after that big plot has been resolved. And Mm -hmm. just around the 11, 12, 13 mark. (laughs) And we also have lots of characters we wanted to play. So I think the intention was always that we would go back and play those characters and finish them. But then as time progresses, now it's like, well, I really like this character and I really like this. And I love my um, Warforged. There's, I love my wizard. There's like a, um, there's like a favorites game I want to play one day where uh, either like I run it or somebody else, but it's like, it's like Jordan can play Espen from his Acquisitions Incorporated game and so-and-so can play their wizard from this game. And like, we don't have to know each other. We don't have to, like, we all came from separate campaigns, but we're together now and everyone's just playing their like favorite character, I think would be a lot of fun. Avenger style. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> Thanos is the bad guy. <laughs> um, this is, uh, uh, well, we're almost towards the end, but I wanted to ask, um, are there any RPGs that you're like dying to play that you just haven't been able to convince people to play or keep it to like five like or six <laughs> now? Come on. <laughs> Got to look at my books over here. Um, or was Vason it? Because I remember you were very excited about Vason, but we actually got to that play. Is the first, is cool. That's the first RPG book I've ever read from cover to cover. Um, the only one uh, still that I have read, like sat down and actually read it cover to cover. Page to page. Yeah. Um, and that was super, uh, super fun to run. I wanted to run Legend of the Five Rings. Uh, I like that universe. Um, I, I play the card game and it would it would be fun, but that book. Have you watched Coville's dense. video on that? Yes, um, okay. uh, and the, the greatest story game ever told. Yes, yes. yes uh, of course. <laughs> yeah, and it's awesome. Uh, but but that book, man, yeah. flipping through That's that so and looking at it, it is dense. Um, and so I think it will be difficult for me to convince uh, our group. Um, in, that's and that's that. a six month commitment, if not more. Like it's not like let's learn this entire dense thing to play and like, like one even, or two yeah, sessions. Yeah, <laughs> or even explaining dense better is that it's a system that feels for advanced players. It yes. does not feel like a beginner RPG. If there's such a thing, it feels like there's another level of RPG rules you can go to, and this is there. This is like whoa, you got to step back and go, what did they, how are we going to do this piece? Well, how does this interact with this? How does this mechanic work? There's like some really fundamentally more advanced things you're trying to learn if you're going to run that game. But man, does it look beautiful and does it sound cool? And it looks like it has great stories to it, but it's, that system looks crazy. (laughs) Yeah, well, and that's kind of how Star Wars ended up. And that is just my like favorite fandom is Star Wars. And mm-hmm. so I like forced everyone. Like we're playing this. Uh, so, so get ready. Uh, so I like learned the rules and I had to help out a lot with a lot of character 
questions and rules and we had to Google so many things while we were playing and yeah. uh, it, it was rough going and I don't know if I scarred people to that game. Like they may not want to play that game again because of that experience that we had and that me shoving it down their throats. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's why we did the whole voting system with the games we've been playing uh, and I guess Vase and I kind of shoved down everyone's throat too. Uh, <laughs> well, wait, didn't Jordan make them play DCC and that turned into something? Yeah. So don't, don't take all the blame on your shoulder there, buddy. <laughs> I had a blast playing my cleric. He said that. He said Nathan liked it. <laughs> it was a blast. I liked the whole cleric class and everything in DCC. That was super fun. And my spells like never worked, but it was great <laughs> because other things happened. Yeah. And uh, I'm all about, all about the fun. I really don't care if we succeed in things. Like in Ghosts of Saltmarsh, I was just trying to worship a bunch of gods and like get favor of all the gods. Yeah. Yeah. Get them all. <laughs> Collect them all. Pokemon yeah, gods. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was bittersweet that nobody chose DCC when I said I'd run a game, but I, I guess not. I understand. We'll play Numenera. Uh, that's awesome. Nathan, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was awesome and good to chat with you all about being dungeon masters and, and stuff like that. Uh, you're a great dungeon master. I have a lot of fun playing games with you. So, so let's you. keep, let's keep it. gaming. It'll be awesome. <laughs> um, we had a bunch of news that we didn't cover, but we will talk about it next week because, uh, it's our show and we can do what we want. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, any, uh, you can follow Nathan on Twitter. Uh, his handle is at com. Froels? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's on the screen there. C O M F R O E L S. Um, and you can, uh, ke- yeah, me and Lucian, we do things. I have a channel. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> I think it's Comfort for Eels is the way I kind of look oh, okay. at that. At Comfort for Eels. It came from <laughs> Communications from Elsewhere. Where, uh, first there, okay. three letters of that middle oh, school okay. band cool. that I was okay. in. Uh, well, Mr. Lucian, anything else we need to say before we go? No. Hey, guys. Thanks for showing up. Go out to those comments and make sure you tell us all about your games and what you think about your Dungeon Masters and the cool things they do. And then uh, if you're doing the podcast stuff, hey, you know, go out there and rate us and do all that stuff that helps us get a little bit bigger reach on just listening to us, which is cool. Which, yeah. Um, it's always fun, too. And, hey, let's get Jordan to, to 100,000. And yes, 100,000. We're at 93. <laughs> let's cheerlead that. Let's get out there. It's crazy. Let's get some uh, thank you guys so much. We will see you next week with another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. Goodbye, everybody. Take Bye. care. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.